This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Let's start with some breaking news. A 1999 cold case in Jacksonville solved. We are thrilled. We are grateful. Not a day has gone by. We don't miss our beloved sod. The past 21 years have been the hardest to not only be without a man who meant so much to our family, but to know that the people who did this were not held accountable for their actions. This week, we're going to tell you about a case in Jacksonville, Florida, a case that a local Jacksonville anchor and reporter first told viewers about on air earlier this year. So my name is Katie Jeffries. I am an anchor and a reporter here at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. For about three and a half years, I've been doing a series called Unsolved, which features local cold cases from the Northeast Florida, Southeast Georgia area. We've covered an extensive amount of cases. Uh, In this case in particular, we covered in February of 2020. And this is how Katie's story began. It started like a typical Monday morning. Saad Kawaf said goodbye to his wife and then went out to run an errand. But there were two attackers waiting for him outside. And in the quiet, gated neighborhood, questions swirled about who the attackers could be and how did they go unnoticed. Questions detectives are still trying to answer today. When she filed that story, Katie had no idea that in just a few months she'd be returning to the story of Saad Kawaf and a major development in the case that stunned Kawaf's family and friends, the Jacksonville community, and the Sheriff's Department. So let's go back to 1999 and what happened to Saad Kawaf on that May morning as he left for work. Saad Kawaf lived in the Deerwood neighborhood, which is, and and it still is today, a very affluent neighborhood. It's a gated neighborhood. Um, A lot of, you know, well-to-do people live there. It's the morning of May 17th, 1999, when Kawaf, like so many other days, walks out of his front door and heads to his van for work. Kawaf owns a local grocery store. His wife, just inside the house, hears a commotion. She opens the door to see a man attacking him, stabbing him repeatedly, and dragging her husband into the garage. At that point, his wife tries to run out to try and help him and is grabbed by a second female attacker that was there, dragged back into the house. Um, This woman demands money from her. And in the middle of their scuffle, she's able to actually bite this woman on the arm and bite her pretty severely because the woman starts bleeding. Um, The male attacker comes inside the house. He holds a knife to the wife's throat, demands money. She and her husband had about $30,000 stashed away in their cabinets. She gives them the money. They duct tape her to a chair. They cover her mouth. And then the attackers leave. Eventually, Ms. Kawaf is able to get out of the chair and out of the duct tape uh, bonds. And she is able to go out. Her husband is, I mean, in bad shape. He's been beaten. He's been stabbed. She calls police. They rush him to the hospital, and unfortunately, he dies from his injuries, but his wife lives. People who know Saad and the Kowafs, customers and employees at his store, can't believe the news they're hearing about a random and senseless attack. I cannot believe it, not yet. He's dead. You know, it It was living, you know. He's a very nice guy, everything, you know, for all this community, you know, all this neighborhood. And so there were people who had said they were out walking their dogs and they didn't see anything or even hear anything during that time. Mrs. Kowaf is able to give a description of the attackers, especially the female attacker. But that's about all police have to go on. There was even a composite sketch done. But after that, there there wasn't much 
headway made in this case. There was a, just a lot of shock that something so brutal had happened, and really nobody had had seen it or heard it. And of course, the question, it's a gated neighborhood, there's a guard gate, how did these people get in? Was one of the big questions for years. They went over the tapes, because there was surveillance video of the guard gates, trying to figure out how in the world these attackers got in and went unnoticed while they waited for Saad Kawaf to walk out of his house. The description of the attackers and the composite sketch are released. The male suspect, white, five nine to six feet, medium to heavy build, reddish blonde hair with a graying mustache. And the female, also white, 5'2", petite, thin, shoulder-length, blonde hair. But the descriptions don't lead to any suspects. There's blood at the scene. There's DNA of the female attacker where Mrs. Kawaf bit her arm. And fingernail clippings from Saad Kawaf are taken as well. But in 1999, DNA from the crime scene isn't enough to solve the crime. Or point to a suspect. At least not yet. They went back in 2003 and they tried to submit some some more of the evidence with DNA. They went back in 2014 and tried again. So they did revisit it at, at certain points, but eventually it did kind of just go cold. And they would try with the DNA and didn't really make any headway. But finally, almost 20 years later, there's a breakthrough. So they finally tried genetic genealogy since that had become, you know, such a burgeoning field, especially with cold cases. So they they had the blood, they had the fingernail clippings. They submit it to DNA Labs, who then sends it off to Parabon Nano Labs. And it does take a lot of time, but they finally get a profile back. Katie Jeffries, who's already reported on and aired her story on the Coif case earlier this year, gets a call from her sources. Telling me that... A, to sit down, because I was not going to believe the story I was about to hear, and B, that they had made an arrest in the Saad Kawaf case, which was huge in general because it's such an old case from 1999. Sure enough, the source's information about the arrest is shocking. Katie and the team at First Coast News go to work to get as much information as they can. We went through a lot of sources to make sure to confirm, you know, triple confirm this. And eventually we called the sheriff's office and told him we were going to print it. Um, we were going to put this on the web. We had enough sources. And then they said they were going to have a press conference on it. So they had a press conference late that same afternoon. So, unfortunately, I'm here today to discuss a 1999 uh, homicide cold case that occurred on May 17, 1999 at 09.40 hours in the morning. The then victim was Saad Kawaf, a white male, 39 years of age. The incident, uh, uh, to give a basic uh, rundown of the incident, is the victim, along with his wife, um, in those morning hours, were approached by a white male and white female suspect in which uh, the victim was stabbed multiple times and succumbed to his injuries. The female victim was tied up and approximately $30,000 in funds, cash, was stolen. Uh, At the time, we only knew that the uh, suspects were a white male and a white female. So in 2003, two DNA profiles were developed, and then all the way in May of 2020, just two months ago, uh, through uh, some, some submissions to the FDA laboratory for genetic genealogy testing, we developed two profiles that actually gave us indications of who our suspects were. Then approximately two weeks ago, in June of this year, the FDLE laboratory provided detectives with potential suspect names. 
this is where it takes a turn, which we are uh, a little saddened by. It turns, that turns out that your suspect was indeed William Robert Bear Jr., white male, 64 years of age, who was a retired Jacksonville Sheriff's Office police officer, and his then wife, Melissa Jo Schaefer, white female, 50 years of age, who she was taken into custody just probably within the hour in Jefferson City, Missouri, and he was taken into custody uh, yesterday evening here in Jacksonville, Florida. They were upfront that it was that they had made an arrest in a cold case, in the Saad Kawaf case, and that the man that they had arrested was a retired JSO officer. They didn't want to go into details about the investigation, about why he was investigating Saad Kawaf. That's information we found out from our sources that we included in the story, um, but that they had taken uh, William Bear into custody and he was being charged with murder. He was an active police officer with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office at the time of the murder. And uh, all the information that we have thus far points to his initial contact and acquaintanceship uh, with the victim stemmed directly from his assignment here at the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. I mean, at one point, William Bear had worked in homicide. He was in investigations at the time this occurred, and he was actually investigating Saad Kawaf at the time, and that's why he went unnoticed for all of these years. So through his specific assignment at JSO at that time, that's what led him to have contact with the victim. He was a detective with, with our agency that was looking at had something to do with the victim. So through our sources, they told us that William Bear was investigating Saad Kawaf for possibly selling pseudofedrin, maybe through his convenience store, and that William Bear had knowledge of a large amount of money in Saad Kawaf's home, that there was, according to the arrest warrant, around $30,000. So. He was investigating him and watching the house as part of this investigation into pseudofedrin, according to our sources, and that's how he knew that there was going to be a large amount of money in the house that day. But with the arrest, aspects of the investigation all make sense. It, it kind of puts the pieces together as to when they went back and looked at the security camera, why they never noticed anyone suspicious coming and going. Yes, they saw, my sources say, of course they saw William Bear's car on the security video coming and going, but he was supposed to be following, you know, Kowaf and investigating him. So that didn't raise any red flags to them back in 1999. But now, with hindsight being 2020, you can kind of see the pieces coming together. But William Bear had been in the police force for a long time. Suddenly, years of investigations are thrown into question. So the incident happened in May of 1999, and I believe he retired in 2002, which at that point he had come on the department in 1975, so we would have had approximately 27 years of service. I mean, it's still early, but of course they're going to have to go back and look at the cases that William Bear has covered. He was a detective with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office from, I believe, 1975 until maybe the early 2000s, 2002, 2003. So, of course, that calls into question every case he's ever done. Um, so that's going to be a large amount of cases the state attorney and the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office is going to have to go over to see if he was, if he was truthful in those cases. William Bear and his ex-wife are now waiting trial in Florida on the murder charges brought against them. And decades after her husband was brutally killed and she was attacked in her own home, Saad Kawaf's wife has a reason to breathe easier. 
From everything we've gathered from other extended family members, she has just been petrified all of these years, not knowing who attacked them. So she has never spoken publicly about this crime. Even after an arrest, she did not want to go on camera or speak. A niece of the family released a statement that they were happy that there was finally an arrest and that they appreciated that JSO continued to look after this case, even though it did lead to one of their own being arrested. We are grateful to the brave members of the cold case unit and all members of law enforcement who have worked tirelessly on our behalf to ensure justice and that Saad's memory will never be forgotten, end quote. Um, but Ms. Kowalf, she did recover, but she never spoke publicly about this case. For Katie Jeffries, the case and the recent developments have been unlike any case she's covered. I think this is just one of those when, when I first heard about it, and my sources were kind of explaining it to me and walking me through it. I was just, I was shocked because first it was a JSO detective and second he was investigating Saad Kawaf at the time, which explains why, why somebody was coming and going and yet never was really noticed. Um, and it was just interesting to watch the pieces of the puzzle from our initial story when we sat down and did it in February when we had no idea who committed this crime to now kind of seeing the pieces come together. You get those answers to the questions that you had when you first heard about this story. Um, so it's been interesting to watch it all kind of come together and then we'll keep following it to see where it goes. Hi, it's Will Johnson along with Spencer Brudig for True Crime Chronicles. And Spencer, uh, you know, I can tell you that um, in speaking with the, the reporter Katie Jeffries on this case, I mean, she really did cover this in her, earlier this year and then was obviously really surprised to hear what happened uh, just a few months down the road. I'm struck by a number of things listening to it and, and actually, you know, looking into this story. First of all, the, the brutality of the case and, and the, the murder uh, and then the fact that his wife, Saad Kowaf's wife, survived and that, you know, they, they didn't kill her. It's sort of a miracle she survived. Yeah, there's definitely a number of things that are, are striking about this. Not only uh, Mrs. Kowaf, you know, surviving this, but the fact that this homicide detective, William Bear, you know, he, he involves his wife as well. You know, even before knowing the outcome of this case, uh, I, I kind of figured that it had to have been someone who knew of the co-offs because as soon as there is that large amount of money involved, it's, it's just too much money to have it be kind of a random burglary. And, and we know that random burglaries do occur, but burglaries that then end in murder, it, it usually someone knows someone. It, it reminds me of like a training day, you know, a Denzel Washington movie, a scenario, you know, it's the ultimate corruption because this guy used his job as a peace officer to find out, you know, pieces of sensitive information, and then he commits a crime based on that info. Uh, and, and in this case, that's just a large amount of money, $30,000. And then he's able to avoid justice until many decades later because, you know, he just simply wasn't looked at as a suspect. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is just an astonishing story. And the other major aspect of it, of course, are all of those cases. I mean, when you hear, you know, at the press conference, they mentioned that he was there for, you know, 20-something years, all those investigations, and there are certainly lawyers and their clients who are going back and saying how or if William Bear was connected to those cases, and if he was an important witness, that's my understanding, that, you know, it has to be someone who had some real damning evidence, or at least some evidence in a case, they have to go back and look at all those. I, can, I can't imagine going through 
all of those cases. Could he and his wife, his then wife, have done this? Could this have been a pattern? Just to underscore and clarify, we, no evidence that we know of that he's connected to something else of this magnitude. But but yeah, there's there's you know certainly a lot of work to be done. Uh, you know, and another aspect of this case, genetic genealogy, once again coming to the rescue and identifying someone who I mean, I can't imagine. You know, these people who are sitting there all these many years and then, you know, think they've gotten away with something. Yeah, it does seem like if you committed a crime and left some form of DNA evidence, it's a possibility that that you will hear that knock on your door from law enforcement. Yes. Yeah, so just really a, a pretty mind boggling story. We'll hear more about what happens. You know, the, these are charges have been filed against Bear and his wife. Uh, this has not gone to trial and it could actually be a little while with covid uh, in Florida and, of course, elsewhere, but uh, uh, any sort of in-person trial process is on hold, so could be a little while. Spencer, I wanted to ask you about uh, our our Facebook group. I know you've been actively involved in connecting with uh, a lot of people there and just want to invite all of our listeners, if you haven't already, join us on, on Facebook. Yeah, we, we have a group called Inside the Crime Vault, and right now it's actually coming up on 5,000 members, and it's just a place for people that are interested in true crime uh, different cases, different mediums of true crime to come together and talk about this stuff. We'd love for you to join us on Inside the Crime Vault on Facebook. Yeah, I know one of the questions you had recently was what kind of case people are interested in hearing about. We always love to hear that kind of feedback and also maybe a specific case that people have heard about or that struck them. So a lot of opportunity to connect with other listeners and fans of the show and people who are interested in true crime. Yeah, and you know, uh, a lot of folks are from all over the world. Uh, we have people in... India, South Africa, Ireland, Mexico. So it's uh, an international group of people looking at true crime as well. Yeah, so the group, once again, is inside the Crime Vault on Facebook. All right, Spencer, we'll be back next week with a new case and a new story. I know we had planned actually last time to cover a different case, but then we uh, we made a slight change. So we'll, we'll get back to that one, right? Absolutely, yeah. Next week, we will have the case of Michelle Boyd. Uh, it involves disappearance and a child that was tied to a ice machine. It's a really weird story. All right. Along with Spencer Brudig, I'm Will Johnson for True Crime Chronicles.